So, beloved, um, we are in the second um, Sunday of Lent. It means that we began our Lenten journey about a little over a week ago. How was your Lent going? Oh, so far so good. Okay, very good. So, we thank God and we pray for perseverance. Um, we pray for perseverance. Sometimes it's not easy as we go through our Lenten journey, but we persevere, we try. Sometimes you are fasting by 11 o'clock in Ketengkete has got your stomach home. Uh-huh. But with perseverance, we shall survive. Amen. We shall persevere. So, beloved, we thank God for, for this opportunity. And the word of God today is is meant to to encourage us as we are progressing, as we are walking, you know, on our Lenten journey, giving us that strength, giving us that food as we as we travel. And I mentioned at the beginning of Mass that um, every second Sunday of the season of Lent, uh, we read from one of the passages that talks about the Transfiguration. Now, there are three passages. The first one is from Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 13. The second one is from Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, the second passage of the Transfiguration. And the third one is from Luke chapter 9, 28 and following. So, today, being year C, the third cycle of the liturgical year, we're reading from the Lucan version, that is from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 9. That's where we're reading from. But mind you, like I said, you can find the same story of the transfiguration. You can find it in Matthew 17. You can find it in Luke, sorry, in Mark chapter 9. And you can find it also in Luke chapter 9. But today we are reading from Luke chapter 9. That is where we're taking our story from. And I began also by telling you that the reason why we uh, we read about the transfiguration in Lent, the second Sunday of Lent, is that in Lent, Jesus is fasting 40 days and 40 nights, isn't it? And we also want to walk with him. We want to follow him as he's going through his, his, um, his Lenten fast. And so if you want to follow somebody, you need to understand who the person is. You need to know who the person is. To be able to decide whether you really want to follow this person. Okay, so that is the reason why we're reading this. Because in the transfiguration, Jesus reveals himself. He shows his glory to his disciples. The word of God says that he went up the mountain with Moses and Elijah and he was transfigured. They saw him in a way that they had not seen him before. They saw who actually he was. He revealed himself to them. In fact, they did not only see, they also did what? I didn't hear you. They heard the voice of the Father so that they can understand who Jesus is. If you want to follow somebody, it's good to know who the person is, isn't it? To understand what the person's values are, what he lives for, before you decide whether you want to make a journey with him. Word of God says, do two people walk together unless they have agreed? So if we want to walk with Jesus in the season of Lent, 
they want to walk with Jesus, they want to follow him as Christians, we need to understand who he is. And you see, the other two people that Jesus appeared with, Moses, you remember Moses? He was the one who led the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt. And even he, that when God sent him to go and bring the people out, he said, God, if I go, the people will ask me, who are you? Who sent you? So you need a certain pedigree before you can tell people to follow you. And if Moses had not been able to perform certain signs, you know, if Moses, through the power of God, had not been able to perform the signs of the plagues in Egypt, do you think people would have followed him? No. So people need to know who you are, what you stand for, what are your values, what do you offer. That is why when it's in the campaign season, people mount the platform and they come and promise us many things. And we also follow them. <laughs> Amen. Or oh, you didn't follow. We all followed. <laughs> that is the problem. Okay, so we need to know who Jesus is if we want to cast our lot with him, if we want to follow him. And that is why he's revealing himself today on the Mount of the Transfiguration, letting us understand who really he is so that we can make a decision about following him. And I just want to I just want to say something brief today. I just want to explain something small in the scripture to you about the passage that we've read today. If if I finish it's enough, we'll use that for our meditation for the week and see whether we can really whether we have decided we've made a choice to follow Jesus. You see I began by saying that there are three passages that speak about the transfiguration. One from Matthew chapter 17, the other one from Mark chapter 9, the third one from Luke chapter 9. And if you read them, really, the stories are basically the same. Maybe just some small differences between the one from Matthew and Mark and then Luke. But there is one small difference that I want to show you today. And use it for your meditation. You see, if you read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, I think this is even verse 5 in particular, when the voice of the Father was heard from heaven, what he said was, This is my beloved Son. In whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He said, this is my beloved son. That's what he said. If you read from Mark chapter 9 verse 7, he says the same thing. This is my beloved son. In whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. But that's what he said. This is my beloved son. Now, if you read from Luke's gospel chapter 9, Luke has said something that you don't see in Matthew and in Mark. He says, this is my beloved son, the chosen one. Amen. Amen. Then he says, listen to him. So only Luke has that reading. He says, the chosen one. Listen to him. 
And you see, as I was reflecting on this passage of scripture, I was asking myself, why is it that only Luke mentions that Jesus is what? The chosen one. What does it mean to be the chosen one? What does it mean? What is the meaning of that word? You see, um, the, the Bible, anything that it says, read it three times because there is meaning inside. It doesn't say things just for nothing. There's a reason why Luke said that Jesus is the chosen one. It's a reason. He's going to explain why he's saying that. You see, in the Bible, you notice that when, when you, we read, this is my beloved son, we've heard it before. If you remember when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, you remember that story? Matthew chapter 3, okay, even Matthew chapter 1, Luke. When Jesus was baptized, it says that the heavens opened and the spirit descended in the form of a dove. And there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son, the beloved. And you see, that passage of scripture, okay, this is my son, the beloved, is actually from Psalm 2, verse 7. If you want, you can go back and check from Psalm 2, verse 7. You see that that is where you have that statement, you are my beloved son. This is my son, the beloved, Psalm 2, verse 7. And there's a reason why that passage is there. Is that passage is talking about God's son who is a king. It's what we call a royal text. It means that God's son is a king. And if you read that passage, it says that, look, why do the nations matter? Why, why are they trying to rise against the Lord's son, the king, the anointed? And God says, look, all those who are rising against my anointed, I will crush all of them. Amen. So you see, when the Spirit descended on Jesus and said that this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, the understanding was that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the powerful one. He's the one on whom the anointing of God has come. Nothing can come against him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know that you are God's son? Do you know you are God's daughter? Do you know the anointing of God is upon your life? Do you know that if somebody touches you, he has touched the apple of God's eye? Are you aware of that at all? Or you don't know? I'm not sure. You rather you will not be saying yes the way you are saying yes. You see, every day when you come to church and you are praying, our Father who art in heaven, it is because you are the Son of God. You understand what I'm saying? That's why the Word of God says that uh, the Spirit of God testifies with our spirit when we cry out, Abba, Father, because we are children of God. When you are a child of God, you are an anointed person. And the hand of the enemy cannot come against you because there's an anointing on your life. And you understand what I'm saying? And so when, when the voice came and said, you are my son, you are the beloved, it means that even kings can stand against you, but they will not succeed. And you see, when, when Jesus appeared in glory, and he was transfigured, hi, even Peter was falling on the ground. He said, let's build three tents. He has not seen some before. Because of the glory, the word of God says that he was so much transfigured in light 
I suppose that it, was, it must have been like lightning. They couldn't even, could even look at him. The glory of God was upon him. Amen. I pray that the glory of God will be upon your life. This is my son. Hey. Imagine that you are the president's son. Just president of Ghana. When you are driving, there will be five V8 following you. For you are the president's son. But you are not just the president's son, you are the son of God. You are the daughter of God. If some, even you, if somebody touches your child, you are wild. How much more if you are the son and the daughter of God? So when we read this in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 7, when we read it in Matthew, chapter 17, 5, we, we should understand it when God says, this is my son, the beloved. That means he's the anointed of God. He's the one that no one, the kings of the earth rise. I want you, when you go back home, please read Psalm 2, the whole of Psalm 2. When you get to verse 7, underline it. But read the whole Psalm 2. The word of God says he will shatter the kings who are trying to stand up against the Lord's anointing. The anointed, the anointing of the Lord is upon his son. But you see, after saying all that, Luke says that is not the end of the matter. After that, Luke said, My chosen one, my chosen one. Beloved, there is a matter in that matter. There is a serious matter in that matter. You let's go back into the Old Testament because that's where we started from. I took you into Psalm 2 to explain to you what it means when it says, my beloved son. It means the anointing of the Lord is upon you. It means you cannot be touched and so on and so forth. You see, if you go back into the Old Testament you go to Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1. You read, it says, this is my servant, my chosen one. And if you continue to read from Isaiah chapter 40 and following, you see Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah chapter 49, even Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, through chapter 53, verse 12, he's always talking about my servant, the chosen one. My servant, the chosen one. That one is not a king. The one he's talking about in Isaiah chapter 42, who he's calling the chosen one, that one is not a king. That one is a prophet. Isaiah. He's a prophet like Isaiah. He's a prophet like Jeremiah. He's a prophet like Ezekiel. He's a prophet like Amos. And you see, if you read the lives of the prophets, the prophets were ordinary men like Amos. He was a farmer. And God called him. God chose him. 
and gave him a task to go and proclaim the word of God. And if you continue to read from Isaiah chapter 42, you go into Isaiah chapter 52, 53, you see what happened to that servant of God. Even though he was a righteous man, even though he was good, the word of God says that he was crushed. And that the sins of his people were laid upon him. He says he was like a sheep that was led to the what? The slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearers. That cannot even open his mouth. He said he was treated like a criminal. But God will vindicate him. You see, in our lives as Christians, sometimes you don't understand why you are the child of God. But you are going through something difficult. You understand what I'm saying? You don't understand why you are the, the, the son of God. There's an anointing on your life. There's a glory on your life. And yet people are persecuting you. And you see, when Jesus appeared on the mountain and he was filled with light and people were looking at Peter and James and John were admiring. He said, ah, look at this man. Let us build three tents and stay with him over here. He said, don't let us go down. The word of God came to them and said, yeah, he is the beloved son, but at the same time, he is the chosen one. You know, when you are baptized, the priest will anoint you. And when he is anointing you with a sacred chrism, he prophesies upon your life. He'll tell you that you are a priest, a prophet, and what? And a king. The kingly anointing is on your life. But don't forget there's a prophetic anointing in, in, on your life too. And the prophetic anointing is the one that shows that you are chosen. God has purified you, but he has sent you. And why he has sent you, sometimes it will not be easy for you. But his word says that he will be with you. Because you are the chosen one. And that is why, after saying that Jesus is the chosen one, the word of God says, the voice said, now I want you to listen to him. There's a prophetic anointing on his life. The prophet is the one who speaks the word of God. So listen to him. Beloved, the one that you have chosen to follow, who is transfigured, who is revealing himself to you, he says that there are two types, there are two aspects of his life, two dimensions of his life that you shouldn't forget. There is the kingly dimension. He's the son. He's anointed. He has the glory. But remember that there is also the prophetic anointing on his life. He's the chosen one. And the chosen one will lead him like a sheep 
kita slaughter. You know, one thing that Jesus does not do is to tell lies about his life. He tells you the thing as it is. And he invites you to follow him. And in the season of Lent, Jesus wants us to understand that he's leading you to the glory of the resurrection. But he will take you by the path of the cross. Some time ago, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine from another church. And he said something to me. In fact, it was in the case of somebody had died, you know, so he was, and we, were, we went to commiserate with the person. And he said something to me. He said, you know, Father, some of us in our churches, we only speak of one dimension of the Christian message. So when, when things happen, we don't know what to do. I'm preparing you for both aspects of the Christian message. Because the Christian message is both the glory, but it's also the cross. You are the son of God, but you're also the chosen one. And when therefore the challenges come, when therefore the pressures of life come, I want you to stand firm. And understand that the one that you are following, he's both the son of God and he's the chosen one. But he has promised that he will be with you. God, that is the message that God gives to the prophets. Every time he tells them, I will be with you. I will be with you. Beloved, for that reason, we do not fear anymore. We will walk with Jesus during the season of Lent. We will take every step with him one at a time. We shall go through the cross. And by the grace of God, we shall arrive at the resurrection. I pray that God will bless you. In your season of Lent, even as you walk day by day, may he strengthen you. Not to lose faith in him when you are faced with the challenges. And one day we shall arrive in the resurrection. May God bless you. Amen.